When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. We welcome in our favorite Husker NFLer and uh, a few of his uh, teams in the postseason this weekend. Jeremiah Searles with us. Find him on Twitter at Searles71 underscore HSKR. Searles, have you stopped by the roadside and inhaled the fresh air of Iowa. You're, uh, you're road tripping right now, am I right? Yes, I'm on my way back home from Minnesota. I've been up here all week uh, working with some clients up here at the gym that we have, O-linemen, so good to be back home for a little bit. This is my busy time of year, so anytime I can get it home, I will, and I can't get out of Iowa quick enough. Now, so Searles, we're, we're cruising. You're sure none of these uh, these clients have any eligibility left? Maybe withdraw their name from the draft, go to the transfer portal, convince them to go to Nebraska. Is that is that possible here? No, absolutely not. They're all going to the NFL. I will say I'm a huge fan of Walter Rouse. I've been recruiting him for two years for the agency. Could not be more excited that he is a Husker. Tell me more from your eyes to the Husker fans' ears. Uh, tackle to tackle, what do you love about him? Yeah, you know, so Walter's another guy. First of all, he's incredibly smart, obviously. He went to Stanford. I'm pretty sure he's be a mechanical engineer. So incredibly smart human being. I also love the fact that he's like 21 years old. He's super young, you know, so he doesn't have a lot of wear and tear on the body. But at the same time, he's been a multi-year starter at Stanford. He's a Stanford O-line. He's a road grader. But this year, he took a huge jump in his pass protection. You know, and anytime you're talking about a left tackle, especially someone that's going to possibly go to the league, you know, pass protection is key. You know, he had a really high grade coming out of uh, Stanford this year, but he wanted to go back for one more year. You know, so he's got one more year under his belt, transferred through the Big Ten. I think he's going to be a major upgrade for us at left tackle. Talk to me about some of the options Coach Raiola has. A lot of guys who've played ball, some have been injured, some are trying to find their best football. Yeah, you know, I think obviously you got a guy in Walter you want to put at left tackle. You know, now you got a guy at Teddy Borhaska. You know, the question's kind of like, now what? You know, but our tackles have been a bit of our weak spot. You know, I think maybe we could get Teddy to move over to right. Um, you know, do his thing over there. He can. You got Turner now. You can maybe move back inside. You get Nuri back. You know, you're getting pieces back. And I think that's part of why Raiola was retained on the staff. You know, he knows these guys. He knows them inside and out. And then the ability to go land some big portal guys, too, to help bolster that depth, that offensive line. He finally has some options. You know, I think last year we didn't have depth. We didn't have options. When things weren't going great, we didn't have somewhere to turn of, like, this guy will fix us. You know, so but now we seem like we have some options and guys will have some competition and go through spring ball, go through training camp and find the best five. Do you believe what Matt Rule and Satterfield say whenever they say they think the offensive line can be a strength of the team next year? It'd be a far cry from last year where they're probably the biggest weakness on the team and only a couple transfer portal additions. Do you, do you truly believe they could be a strength of the team next year? Mm, as a wise man once said, we'll see. You know, I'm not... <laughs> sold on that you know i don't i don't like getting sold on Ooh, they're going to be a strength of the team when it's an unproven group you know i think you can say an offensive line is going to be the strength of your football team when you've got a proven group 
that's been together a long time, done it at a high level a long time, won games because of the offensive line, you know, that's when I can say strength of a team. Now, does that mean that they can't work their way into that? Absolutely not. But I'm not ready to say, wow, look at what these guys can do on paper when I haven't seen them do it between the white lines. Jeremiah Searles is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Searles, a lot of Husker fans getting higher on this offensive line because of the additions of uh, Walter Rouse and, and Ben Scott. Whenever you look at those two, do you think those two guys are, are Big Ten ready right away? Or do you think there's going to be some work they need to put in over the next couple of months to get their bodies right for the, the Big Ten coming over from the Pac-12? Yeah, I mean, obviously the Pac-12 trash, so they definitely have to make <laughs> sure that they get themselves rolling a little bit more. You know, there's a big physical nature to it. You see it happen with, I mean, as much as um, Ochon Mathis had a bit of an impact, you know, he came from the Big 12, and he got pushed around on the run game and kind of disappeared in the pass game, you know. So it is just a different style of play in the Big Ten. It's a grind it out. It's cold. It's making sure that you can go out there and, and execute, I mean, on a down-by-down basis when you're running the ball over and over again, you know. But I think of a guy like Walter specifically, you know, he comes from a Stanford program that, you know, they don't shy away from running the football. You know, if there's a physical team in the Pac-12, it's Stanford and Utah. You know, so I don't think he'll have a huge adjustment coming to here and what we do. And so, you know, I think there's slight adjustments, but both those guys have played a lot of football. You know, it's not going to take long for them to be able to get adjusted and uh, get to the style of play that we're going to want. Jeremiah Searle spending time with us. Hale Varsity Radio NFL Weekend will get there. Overall, your takeaway with Coach Rule right now from recruiting to staff to communication, uh, just your observations, your feel as a former Husker. I think he's killing it. You know, I think he's killing it. He's doing all the right things. He's talking to the right people. He's recruiting the right type of players. And, you know, he's not – he's being transparent. You know, I think that's a big thing of transparency of what he wants to do and then showing with his words, with his actions. And, you know, it all sounds great and it's all doing the right things. And at the end of the day, I hope it all comes to fruition in September because that's when you'll be judge, jury, executioner comes during the season. No, as we all see, you know, but at the moment, I think he's absolutely crushing it, and he's got me really excited for this Husker football season. Is it a different excitement? You've been through the the merry-go-round with the rest of us, and then you were, you know, really loyal, and, and you should be, to, to a guy like Bo. So you've seen this from a player's perspective, this, this turnstile of coaches. Uh, yeah, you know, and when I say excitement, I mean excitement as I'm excited to see what it looks like. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying excitement of, ooh, we're going to win 10 games next year. You know, I think there's a different level of excitement. My excitement is like, okay, things have changed. We have new faces. We have new players. I'm excited to see what this team looks like. I'm not going to ready to anoint them kings by any means, and no one should. But I think there's a definite realistic, and everyone should be excited of the possibility and the potential of what we can see, no more, no less. Jeremiah Searles is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And when you talk about potential, Searles, where do you think this this team has potential right now as it stands for for next year? I'm not talking down the road, but next year specifically, where do they have potential to, 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 you know, be able to do things well? Yeah, you know, I think the potential for this is just to continue to grow off some of the offensive success we had this year. You know, at times it looked great, at times it looked awful. But the thing of the potential to grow in that, have some other new options. You know, you lose Trey Palmer, but you got some more options at receiver now. And then on defense, you know, the potential of just a whole new scheme and what that can look like. You know, there's the potential of it going really well and potential going really bad. You know, but there's still potential on that side. And, you know, defenses win championships. You know, I'm not a huge fan of the 335, 
But if you can make it work and you can plug it in there and do the things you need to do, it can be very effective, you know. So I think potential to have some wrinkles on defense that are great and then just to keep growing on the offensive side of the ball. So let's talk three three five for a second. You mentioned the fact that you don't quite like it, but I mean during bowl season we saw a lot of three three five defenses have success uh, against their opponents. And I specifically look at, at TCU against Michigan. I know they still let Michigan put up forty five points, but they got the win at the end of the day, and they they forced Michigan to do some things that they weren't as comfortable with. So so what's your hesitation with the three three five? Anytime you only have six big bodies on the field, I get nervous. I get very nervous especially when you're talking about teams that run the ball like crazy. And, you know, and a lot of guys that play the 3-3-5, you know, it's really to get turnovers, to get interceptions. You know, I don't think the 3-3-5 was created to stop the run, to stop an Iowa, to stop a Minnesota, to stop an Illinois that's going to play 12-21 big personnel. No, it was created for the Big 12 and the Pac-12 to, when you're defending the pass over and over again, and then you're just going to rely on your six big guys to be able to stop the occasional run in there. You know, so there's pros and cons to the three through five you know you get a lot of guys that can run and athletic ability cover the edges but i just feel like at times it really leaves you really susceptible to inside run and big bodies and getting double teams and getting creases which is why i'm just not a huge fan which is what you saw georgia do to tcu was they just beat them up front and then you really have no answer if that's your base key Searles nfl we go and you get to pick one Who's top of your list for quarterback power rankings in the playoffs? Easy. Josh Allen. All day, every day. Sporting News has him number three, my friend. Good for them. When he's holding the Lombardi at the end of the day, we'll see. <laughs> did, did, Take, did the Bills have Super Bowl potential in, in, in your mind, Searles, whenever you look at this? I mean, they have to go through the Chiefs in the AFC, and the Buffalo Bills in recent weeks haven't quite looked like themselves, but they do have the uh, – the what should I call it? The uh, – Motivation. Motivation following the, the DeMar Hamlin injury. That, that's a good way to use, Searles. Yeah, no, it, trust me. I love the Bills. Obviously, I'm a slightly biased. You know, but they still have to get through Cincinnati. And I'm not riding off Cincinnati by any means. You know, I love the teams in the AFC. I think the Dolphins are going to get beat. You know, I think the Chargers might be able to do some noise. But overall, it's Kansas City, Buffalo, Cincy. And any three of those teams have Super Bowl potential, in my opinion. I think the Bills need to figure out some stuff on defense. But that offense can keep you in any game. Totally agree with the offense. Jeremiah Searles with us. So let's flip it around to the NFC. What's your uh, best outlook for your Vikings? Captain Kirk behind center. I know you're not a Philly guy, but, man, they've looked good. And then, of course, San Francisco is a big-time concern for everyone else in the NFC. Yeah, you know, I've planted the flag on my Minneapolis podcast and everything I do. I don't think the Vikings win this weekend, personally. Um, you know, I think that they've had too many issues and everyone's like, yeah, there's a three seed of, yeah, I don't believe in them. I thought, you know, and I think it's a two man race between Philly and San Francisco. And right now I give the slight edge to San Francisco just because they got Debo Samuel back. I mean, that offense is the most quarterback friendly offense in the NFL and Brock Purdy's operating it at a very high level, even though he is just a little guy, you know, but you put Jalen Hurts back behind center, get him comfortable. I know he didn't look great. Um, last week, you know, but they had, their defense is also scary. The NFC defenses are what are going to carry them to the Super Bowl and really what ultimately could help them win a Super Bowl And because either one of those offenses can get hot and score a lot of points, but it's the defense that's going to really win it for the NFC. With Philly, not only do they have your teammate Linville Joseph, but your other former teammate in Dominican Sue, and those guys are coming off the bench. Yeah, their twos on defense on Philly are starters on half of the NFL team. 
you know, and that's what makes Philly so scary. You talk about guys like Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they lost Marcus Sweat, but, you know, they have so many options of how they want to rush, who they want to rush, and keeping the rushers fresh that, you know, that is a really, really tough front to have to do anything into run or pass. Searles, last thought, a George Kittle story. You and Georgie uh, trade uh, friendly barbs on Twitter quite often. Yes, I love Georgie. He is a special cat. Uh, you know, my favorite, my favorite George story is, you know, I, I called him this year and he didn't answer after the Iowa game. He never does. <laughs> but I called him. I called him. And uh, he didn't answer. And then he just tweeted me back and he was just like, I'm down. I'm down bad, man. And it was just good because you know, it's fun. You know, I always wonder with those guys because we haven't had a chance to poke back and forth. I've been taking a lot of the jabs. But, you know, it's just fun to know that that rivalry still means something to, to all of us. So it still matters uh, for guys like George Kittle and myself, everyone involved. You know, so it's just fun to poke back and fun with that guy. And he's, he's a madman. Jeremiah Searles with a standout Husker, longtime NFLer, uh, sports agent. And Searles, safe travels back, bud. We'll uh, get a beer soon, and, and thanks for the time today. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys. Have a good one. Go Big Red.